This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. So good to have you here, and I hope that you will uh, open your Bibles and try to follow along, whether you are here in the building or online, um, your device, phone, however, but uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 will anchor our thoughts, even though we'll be in several other scriptures as well. You may not be aware of this, but whether or not you consider yourself to be a, a techie person, you are the operator of a state-of-the-art computer that is housed inside of your head called the brain. And even those like myself and uh, maybe like a few others of you who are fry short of a happy meal, maybe have a below, than, below average IQ uh, or average our brains are still so incredible. They say there is more information stored in the brain than in all of the 17 million volumes of books that are found in the Library of Congress. Pretty remarkable for a little piece of gray matter about this big. They say it weighs three pounds. And I don't know if you realize that that in that little three-pound brain, they say the total length of the blood vessels is about 100,000 miles. Which, to give you a perspective on, on 100,000 miles, they say that the equatorial circumference of the earth or the circumference of the earth around the equator, which is the thickest part of the earth, uh, the circumference is just a hair under 25,000 miles. So the blood vessels in your three-pound brain would go around the earth at the equator about four times. Or another way of looking at it, the blood vessels in your brain would extend nearly halfway to the moon. One brain. Something else I found interesting is that according to scientists, this is not me, I'm just passing on information to you, they say that men's brains are 10% larger than women's brains. So I think that settles it once and for all. The debate is over. Men are smarter than women. And all of the men said, if you were smarter, you wouldn't say anything. <laughs> Actually, uh, scientists say that women, even with a smaller brain size, have far more nerve cells in their brain than men. And, and this causes the, women, uh, the, 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 the woman's brain to function better and more efficiently than our brain. Oh. You knew they were, that was coming, did you? So, so probably the accurate way to say this, the accurate conclusion w- would be that men have a bigger brain, but women have a better brain. Did I get out of deep weeds there? Okay, hopefully. Something else, they, they say that for women, most of the brain activity is executed from the emotional, emotional, did I say that? Emotional right side of the brain. While most of the brain activity for men is executed from the logical, logical left side of the brain. And, and I thought about saying some things here, but for a change, I'm going to use a little bit of wisdom, just move on and live happily ever after. But all of that to say that the brain is an amazing computer, yet scientists still find it to be quite mysterious. They don't understand the brain. However, there is one thing about the brain that is not a mystery. There is one thing about the brain that we do understand, and and, and our scripture today in Philippians chapter 4 talks about this, the thing we know for sure 
about our brain is this. How you think greatly affects how you are, who you are, what you do. For example, if you, how you think, if you continually think lustful thoughts, that will eventually show up in your morals. If you continually think about new clothes, more than likely your closet will be filled to overflowing with clothes that perhaps you've never even worn yet. But you know you've got this thing going to where you just pay a bunch of money and they just ship you a bunch of clothes every month and supposedly you're supposed to send some back, but you never do. That's not in my script here. I guess God impressed that upon my mind here. If you continually think about food, well, we all know what happens there. If you continually think about feed on coronavirus news, it'll probably show up with a lot of fear and maybe even paranoia. So your thought life, what you think, greatly affects who you are. Now, when it comes to our thought life, I... I think I can say without exaggeration that that all of us, without exception, old, young, spiritually mature, we struggle with our thought life. You struggle with your thought life. I struggle with my thought life. Some struggle with their thought life in the matter of lust, and that's led them down the road of pornography or immoral behavior. That's what they continually think about. That's what's on their mind. Others struggle with having thoughts of negativity, and and they have a bent towards being critical. Regardless of the situation, they gravitate towards picking up on the negative, and and some people have the gift. It's not really a gift, but this is what they do. They they see inconsistencies in other people. That's what they look. They they, they pick apart people. They pick apart programs. They, 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 They pick apart those in authority, and some people, even people in this church, Find the negative in everything. Some people struggle in their thought life and and feel that they're always being treated unfairly. You know, they have a victim mentality. And and they feel at work, they always get get the shaft. They get the dirty jobs. Or at, at church, they feel like, well, others get more attention. And they truly believe that that people always have it out for them, and and, and they're always the victim, and they're the type of people that make this statement, if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. And I found out that way more people than we realize struggle emotionally and are depressed and entertain thoughts of taking their own life. And I realize sometimes, and I know some people, they do it to get attention, that they want you to feel sorry for them, but at other times, they are so depressed that they feel that the world would be better off without them. So all of us, all of you, we all struggle with our thought life. And what complicates this, they say that the average person has at least 10,000 thoughts per day. I didn't realize that happens in my brain, but that's what they say. Encouraging aspect is that with 10,000 thoughts, you got one in 10,000 chances of having an intelligent thought each day. But, but the scary side of this is that out of those 10,000 thoughts, how many of those thoughts are not from God? How many of those thoughts run loose, unchecked in our heads? 
And we don't do what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says to do with those thoughts. It says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, did you catch that? It says, captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Uh, Eugene Peterson, uh, he passed away a year or two ago, but he paraphrased the Bible and uh, he, he called it the Message Bible, but it's, it's a very loose paraphrase. But just, I, I'm reading that right now, going through the Old Testament. But let me read this passage where it says, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And, 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 and just, this is amazing insight, the way he says it. He says, the world is unprincipled. It's dog-eat-dog dog out there. It is. The world doesn't fight fair. It doesn't. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have, never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation. But I love this. He says they are for demolishing that entirely massive corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools. I love the way he says it. For smashing warped philosophies. Tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God and And remember that part about taking captive every thought? This is what he says about that. Fitting every loose thought. Just imagine loose thoughts going around in your mind. It says every loose thought and emotion. You know the emotions that sometimes are up and down and out of control. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse. You know those impulses that we have of, of doing something. Into the structure of life shaped by Christ. So loose thoughts, emotions, impulses, fit them into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience in the maturity. And here's the question. Are you doing that? Are you taking those lustful thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ. Are you taking captive those thoughts where, where you're upset at so-and-so, you can't stop thinking about what you would like to say to them to let them have it? Are you taking those thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ? I'll admit I was convicted this past week. I just have to confess, and, and, and it's really bad whenever... I'm working on a sermon and God says, okay, Joe, you better confess, you better repent because before you can preach this, you've got some business you need to do with me. But there's someone that has taken advantage of a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I I think you're probably like me. Maybe you're not. You may be farther along than I am. But I I struggle with people like that whenever they take advantage of other people. And... um, and, and, but I was convicted over that. God convicted me, and, and this doesn't mean that all the deception, the lies, the insensitivity, the drama that this person creates is, is, is right. It's not. You know, they'll have to respond to God for that, and there's been plenty of that. But my responsibility is to take captive those negative t- thoughts about this person and leave the lies, the deception, the drama in God's hands. I, I can't afford to be dragged down by the negative thoughts floating around in my head because of this individual. I need to take those thoughts captive. Now, as we read Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, you'll recognize this scripture, but I I like to refer to this scripture as a grid. Just kind of picture a a grid. This grid helps us to determine if the thought that keeps coming into our minds measures up to God's standard. Let, let, Let me just read it for you. And now, dear brothers and sisters, let me say one more thing. As I close out this letter, fix your thoughts 
here's where the grid begins, on what is true, honorable, and right. Think about things that are pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned from me, heard from me, saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, in these verses, Paul is trying to help us understand that the Christian life is more than just what is seen on the outside. The Christian life is also about what is on the inside of us. And and I'm not saying that externals aren't important because they are, but, but you can put on a show with the externals. I can fool you, you can fool me. I've been fooled by a lot of people over the years. I thought they were godly, but then one day it kind of filtered back to me that they had a foul mouth, or they were mean, they were abusive at home, or I shouldn't say this, but sometimes I even, it filters back to me that some people throw a hissy fit in a local business. You know, you and I, we can kind of hide those things here in church. We can live a pretend life, but God sees what we truly are. God sees our attitudes. He's monitoring our thought life. He knows what we're thinking right now. This is scary. He knows what we thought last night when we were alone. He's paying attention not only to what we say in public, but He's paying attention to what we think in private. And I was studying this past week, it hit me so strongly that sometimes as a pastor, I've, I've probably been guilty at times of spending the majority of my time trying to get us to do better with the outside. You know, you need to read your Bible every day, you need to pray every day, you need to tithe, you need to talk right, and, and those are all biblical and necessary. When we get close to God, when we get revived, I believe that those elements will be present. But I'm afraid that too many times our gospel has been a gospel of behavior, you know, do this and this and this. But what the Apostle Paul is saying is to not just deal with behavior, but he's saying to deal with your thoughts because if someone commits a sin, most likely that sin had already taken place in the mind. You know, if someone commits a sin, more than likely you had thought about that sin. It didn't just randomly happen. It it began with a thought in the mind that wasn't taken captive, wasn't made obedient to Jesus Christ. And it went from a thought to an action. You remember when the little shepherd boy David in the Bible took a smooth stone, put it in a sling, and embedded it in the forehead of Goliath. And after the giant fell, David became known throughout the land, and all the young ladies were singing a song. And, And Saul, King Saul, You know what they were singing? Saul has killed his thousands. That's pretty impressive. But then to end up that verse, it says, but David has killed his tens of thousands. King Saul began to think about that. He he began to stew on it. And the more he thought about it, the more it angered him. And one day Saul's jealous thoughts in his mind turned into action. And he threw a spear at David, tried to kill him. Why? Why? Because that's what he had been thinking about. Know that most acts of violence are not random. Most murders are not random acts. If you are, if you are just drive-by, it's random, but most are premeditated. They're angry at someone, and they're out to get them. Most acts of adultery are not random, and I realize there are sometimes there, there is a rape that's, uh, you know, just kind of the, the person's there, and so it happens, but most of the time, it's premeditated. 
they thought about it. So where does transformation begin? Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Listen to the same verse from the New Living Translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. So to be transformed, we must change the way we think. And and by the way, this is not a new age statement of, well, you know, just kind of let your mind visualize and imagine what you want to be and you can be all of that. No, that's not what this means. But if we're going to be transformed, our mind needs to be sanctified. It needs to be cleansed. It needs to be renewed. And I want to point out that Paul does not simply say, well, from now on, I don't want you to uh, think any bad thoughts. I mean, just man up. Get those bad thoughts out of your mind. No. no. Let, let me illustrate what Paul does with a little ex- experiment. For, for a moment, here we are just a few minutes from lunch. Picture a warm chocolate brownie with a generous helping of homemade ice cream on top of it. Maybe we have a picture of that. Just look at that. Oh, you know, maybe some magic shell. I like pecans. I don't see any pecans on that. It could be a little better. Smothered with pecans. Um, Just think about that for a little bit. Just look at that. Wow. Okay, stop thinking about it. Get it out of your mind. Well, you might be able to do that. I can't. You know, it, it's tough to stop thinking about something that's so appealing. If you want to stop thinking about it, you, you need to redirect your thoughts someplace else. Instead of thinking about the brownie and homemade ice cream, you know, maybe think about strawberry milkshake with a lot of whipped cream and uh, fresh, juicy strawberry on top. You know, when I, when I run or jog, and actually at this stage in my life, it's a waddle. I'm sorry, that's the way it is. But <clears throat> and I don't do much of it <clears throat> because I, I still maintain I've never seen anybody run with a smile on their face. It's always a frown. I mean, they're, they're miserable. So why would you do something you hate to do? Jeremy? I've never seen you run with a smile on your face either, buddy. So, you know, I I don't do a a lot of it. Sometimes when I'm training for a mountain climb, I I do it. But uh, sometimes to to keep my mind off of the suffering when I am doing it, I I try to focus on on something else that's a bit more pleasant. And and, and the Apostle Paul, that's what he's doing. He, He doesn't just say, okay, stop thinking bad thoughts that are dragging you down. Come on, man up or woman up and... But instead, he says, you know what? You need to put your mind on things that are good and honorable. The theologian St. Jerome said that he struggled with the thoughts that were in his mind. And, and he said the one thing that helped his thought life was translating the Hebrew Bible into Latin. You can try that at home and probably work for Dennis Painter there. But uh, for the rest of us, uh, you know, probably that's not going to work. But but, but Paul's practical advice here in Philippians gives us eight virtues to keep our minds on. And, and these 10,000 thoughts that go zooming through our minds every day should be focused on these kinds of thoughts. So let's look at the eight virtues that we read about. And, and this, this scripture is like security that they have at airports. 
There are certain things you're not allowed to take through security, such as knives, aerosol sprays, guns. And there was somebody from this church that forgot they had a gun in their bag. It didn't go well as they tried to go through security. Uh, Ammunition, liquids beyond, you know, three ounces or so. And I, you know, I, I consider myself a fairly seasoned traveler, but you know, every time I go, it's like I'm a rookie because I forget something. And, and I had been out of the country, and, and so there in the airport, I was waiting, you know, for, before I went through security. I, I, I'd had some hot sauce in that country, and I love hot sauce, and it was so good. And, and I thought, you know, I'm going to buy a bottle of that hot sauce. And, and my mistake was I didn't get it at a, at a duty-free shop, and, and, I, and it wasn't very big. The bottle was, I think, 3.8, four, 4 ounces or so, I don't know, but beyond what uh, well, and, and I never thought about it. I just threw it in my backpack and put my backpack there and went through. And, and uh, you know, they said, sir, you need to come over here. You need to step over here. And so I got flagged, and they went through my backpack, tore it apart, and they came up with the guilty item, and it was that hot sauce. And she said, I'm sorry, we can't let you go through. I said, but it's sealed. It's brand new. I mean, maybe this is so hot that it'll blow up the plane. I don't know what it is, but... Anyway, she said, I'm sorry, you can go back if you want and check through this one item. And I thought, well, how are you going to check through a bottle of hot sauce and nothing else? And, and so I said, well, take it and enjoy it, I guess. Um, but anyway, you, you know, there, there are certain items that you can't go through uh, security with. And, and, and so today, I want you to pretend that we're getting ready to go through security. All of us were lined up. I wonder how many of us will be caught with a thought or an attitude that does not line up to this grid that's going to be flagged by the Holy Spirit. Here's the first question to ask. comes directly from the scripture we read. Is it true? It says, fix your thoughts on what is true. So what you are watching, what you are letting your thoughts dwell on, is it true? The movie? The cartoons that your kids are watching? Is it promoting truth? Is it... Is it promoting evolution or other things that are not true? I can tell you this, that our kids, our grandkids, will soak up whatever they see and whatever they hear. Several years ago, our our grandson Jason, he was a little tyke. He was probably three years old, maybe four. One day, he, he started talking about marsupials. I said, Chase, I barely know about marsupials. I know... The, the possum is part of the marsupial family, but that, that's all I know. Where did you learn about marsupials? Well, he had seen a program on there, probably Wild Kratts, one of my favorite shows. Um, you know, our, our kids pick up things that they see, that they hear. Which I probably shouldn't have to say this, but be careful about believing everything you see and read on the Internet. Facebook posts are not always accurate nor edifying. During this pandemic, and I know some of you are shocked at this, but Facebook has a plethora, and and plethora just means a large and excessive amount of posts expressing, you know, they express everything from from medical to political opinions. And, And these people expressing their opinions are not always right, but they're never in doubt. They think they know more than doctors. They didn't graduate from college, didn't even graduate from high school, but they know more than the experts, and, and they're critical of our leaders. Sometimes they come across as super spiritual, and 
You know, here they are, they're trying to take away all of our rights and all that kind of stuff that you hear all the time. But they don't honor our leaders, as the Scripture says to do. Even if you don't agree with our leaders, the Bible talks about honoring them. That's hard. I know that. If you're a Republican, you struggle honoring a Democrat, don't you? If you're a Democrat, you struggle honoring a Republican. But that's not a qualifier in God's Word. It says we are to honor our leaders. And, and this is just for me, and you can do whatever you want, but I've chosen to not get my medical information from Facebook posts. You can do that if you want. Yes, there may be a good shared article from time to time, but so much of this is just opinion. It's an opinion of people that have no more knowledge than I do. Is it true? And a couple more things before we go on. Is what we're saying an exaggeration? You know, have we added to it or taken away from it? And, you know, whenever we catch a fish, we add to the weight. Whenever we golf, we take away from the sore. Isn't that interesting what we do? Or do you say, well, well, I've heard a lot of people complaining. Oh, okay, wait, wait a minute. A lot of people? How many? Well, one. A lot of people? Do we take what someone said and, and we change it around a little bit for more emphasis? Is it true? Is it true? Well, uh, second question, is it honorable? Now, this word honorable is defined as being faithful to the highest principles of behavior or as to having high character. And in your professional life, are you honorable? Are your business practices impeccable? In your private life, are you honorable? You know, sometimes I hear of people that are one way in church, but they're another way in the real world. Are you full of honor? Do you pay your bills? Can people look at your life and say, well, I have full confidence in them because I've never seen them involved in anything questionable. We are to portray the highest of standards in all that we do. Third question, is it right? And, and the word right here means straight as opposed to crooked. Paul is saying, don't let any crooked thinking come into your mind. If it isn't right, what do you do about it? Do you stand up for what is right or do you keep quiet and let people believe a lie? Paul says that if our thinking is not right, if it's not straight, then it doesn't pass through the grid. It will be flagged as it goes through security. Fourth, is it pure? Now, the word pure means free of contamination. And under the law, the concern was, is this animal good enough, pure enough to be used as for a sacrifice? Could it be offered to God? And, and so, you know, just kind of making this practical, we're, uh, you know, the show that we're watching, could we take it and offer it to God as a sacrifice? The language, the plot, the violence, the morals, are they good enough to where we could offer them up to God as an acceptable offering? Could, could we take this activity and say, Lord, I worship you while I'm doing this? Could we take what we're drinking or eating, or swallowing, or smoking, and give it as an offering to God? You know what the Bible says, 
1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, that kind of covers the whole area there, you must do all for the glory of God. So is it pure? Number five, is it lovely? Now, the word lovely here doesn't mean beautiful. Because if it, that was a requirement for us to be beautiful, that would knock me out, and some of you too. But it literally means in the Greek language, causing you to love. Is it, and it's a combination of, of, of two words which actually mean toward love. Does the thought move you toward love? Does your conversation about someone cause you to love them more? So that means that if you're dwelling on negative and critical thoughts towards someone, it's probably not causing you to love them more. Number six, is it admirable? Or another translation says of good report. And this word actually means that uh, means high-toned. Is it taking the high road? And in every church are those who are gossips. And, and what's so bad about this is I've never met a gossip that recognized they were a gossip. And here's what they say. Well, pastor, you know me. I don't gossip. But then they say, bless their hearts. And then they gossip. But you know me. I would never gossip. But. And then there are those who are just as guilty as the gossips because they love to listen to things that are not of good report. That they use their ears for garbage cans. And again, I've had people come to me and say, well, pastor, I don't know why people always come to me and tell me all this stuff. That's not a compliment to you. If people naturally come to you and tell you junk on other people, that tells us a lot about you. That tells us that you will allow them to track mud on the carpet of your mind. Well, number seven, is it excellent? What does that mean? Well, everything that God has ever done was with excellence. God is a God of excellence. Look at His creation. Excellence. Flowers? Excellence. The mountains? Excellence. The lakes? Excellence. Outer space? Excellence. The way the universe works together, the, the sun is the exact distance to keep us from freezing to death or burning up. Excellence. Everything God has ever done is with excellence. And so I think we need to ask ourselves, are we people of excellence? Do we do things the right way? At work, do you just barely get by? Is that the type of person you are? Are you a person of excellence at work? Do you do your best and then some? And then finally, Paul says, you know, it's got to be praiseworthy. If others knew what you were thinking, would they praise you for it? Would, would, would what you thought this week bring God's praise for you, or would it bring discipline? So Paul gives us the grid, the security there, all of those things that, you know, we've got to kind of filter out there. Um, then he makes this intensely practical. In the next verse, he says, keep putting into practice all you've learned and heard from me, saw me doing. In other words, this isn't just theory. We, we put a lot of emphasis on theory, but he says, you need to put it into practice. 
And can you imagine what would happen if we took every thought captive for Christ to, you know, all of those 10,000 thoughts that supposedly come into our minds every day and we took them captive for Christ, make them obedient to Christ? What would happen? The results would be indescribable. Negativity would be gone. Gossip would be gone. And the last part of Philippians 4.9 gives us the result says, and the God of peace will be with you. So you put it into practice, all these things. The God of peace will be with you. Isaiah also brings that out. And Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. So a thought life that is in line with these eight virtues brings peace. So if you're stressed, if you're depressed, If you're in turmoil, then maybe you need to fix your thoughts on God. And one more promise in the Word, and I'm finished. Psalm 1, first three verses. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Have you ever thought about what's the advice of the wicked? Do bad stuff. Think bad stuff. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or, or stand around with sinners or join in with scoffers. But they delight in doing everything that the Lord wants. Day and night. Catch this. Day and night. What do they do? They think about His law. These people are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season without fail. Their leaves never wither. In all they do, they prosper. So do you want a life that bears fruit and prospers? Do you want to have peace? Then let me tell you, we've got to cleanse. We've got to ask God to sanctify and purify our minds. I just wonder, you know, what God is saying to us right now. You know, as we've gone through security this morning, I'm wondering how many of us, the Holy Spirit had to say to, you need to step aside here because there are some things, some thoughts, some emotions, some impulses that I just can't let go through unchecked. You need to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. So, this week, could we do that? Maybe as we get up first thing in the morning, maybe that's what we need to do, is just pray, God, you know the 10,000 thoughts that are going to be going through my mind today. I want to take them captive and make them obedient to you. Any wrong thinking, lustful thinking, lustful thoughts, materialism, negativity, revenge, thoughts that are geared towards self-harm. Maybe we just need to say, God, would you sanctify those thoughts, purify them? And, And I promise you what's going to happen is you will find peace. You will be like a tree planted by the waters. Lord, I ask that today, 
you would begin to do a work in our lives. God, I think that we're, uh, we're so... Lord, Lord, we're taught in our society to be kind of, um, you know, evaluate, be critical. And Lord, there are so many avenues in which we can dwell on things that are not pure. So God, I believe the Holy Spirit has been faithful. I know He's been faithful to me this past week as I've, Lord, tried to just search my heart and my mind. And, but Lord, I pray that it wouldn't just be theory, as the, as the Apostle Paul said, you know, don't just think about this, but put into practice. And so God, we want to put into practice that we can take these thoughts captive and make everything obedient to Jesus. And if we are, are thinking evil thoughts about somebody that hurt us, that did us dirty, I pray that, Lord, you would just sanctify that hurt right there. Lord, let us be uh, people that, God, where there's purity, where, Lord, our speech is honorable, of good report, lovely. God, that everything that we think, everything that we do would line up to the grid that you've given us. Thank you, Father, for being faithful to us through your word. Thank you for your word. It's, it's beautiful. It's precious. Lord, we love you. Go with us this week, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So this week, I believe God is going to do a work in our hearts and lives. And before you go, just remain seated. Just have a special greeting from Miss Tessie for you and for the kids. Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. I'm so excited to worship together. Even if you're still watching, just watching online, we can still worship together. Today, I want to remind you of who God says you are. There are many things in the Bible that God says about us. And today, with the help of some friends, I want to remind you of what some of those things are. Please watch. God says I'm called to live a holy life. God says I am loved and his chosen one. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, they have come new. So, who does God say you are? A brand new creature. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. God says, I am blessed like, like, like the man of faith, which is Abraham. So God blesses like all of us. God says, I am his child. I have a dream because of God's love for me. And in Romans 87, God says, I am I have the power. Victory. Thank you so much for joining us today. And remember that you are who God says you are. Be blessed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.